Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special episode for you today. Episode number 174 of Stream of Thought is brought to you by Father Ricks Thomas Thorsell, who traveled all the way to New Jersey to officiate a wedding. And may I add, he drove as opposed to flying. I said, bro, you're crazy. He said, no, bro, I need to stay safe. He learned a lot of things about himself and about life. But why continue speaking when you can hear him? So with that being said, without further ado, episode number 174 of Stream of Thought, I present to you Father Ricks Thomas Thorsell. I know you'll enjoy. Look at you! Look at you! All all prepped on Thanksgiving Day. Such a, <laughs> such a beautiful holiday. I, so Man. the other day, the other I think it was yesterday, <laughs> my computer had died, and I decided right then and there, after it had booted up again when I plugged it in, I was like, oh, you know what? I should restart it right now so I don't have to restart it right before trying to do a podcast episode as and, we and know did you yes so it's everything is working as you because you can see me for those that don't know i figured out that when my 12 year old apple computer runs out of battery and then it gets booted up again the camera will not work unless it's booted up and then you have to restart it again but if it dies and comes back to life being charged, it won't work. We've got to hit that reset, which takes for which can take forever, as we once figured out. It was about a twenty minute delay. <laughs> it, it 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 is the story of our lives. I feel as though that is something that we will never escape uh, until you get a new fucking laptop. Yeah, which is uh, my goal for you for Christmas. I I I pray I pray somebody gives you a new laptop. That would be great. Um, but yes, so you have returned. You have returned have from returned. a potentially dangerous journey. So the last we spoke, you were getting prepped to drive approximately what a thousand miles to New York or to New Jersey. A little over eight hundred miles each way, uh, driving okay. there. And uh, let me tell you, my friend, that was, you know, uh, it, it is one of those things. I mean, people people have said to me over the past, because I've had a couple of different meetings with people, and I told them that I was going out to the East Coast and going to drive and do the whole, basically it's about, you know, if you were to go the whole way through 13, 14 hours maybe, so I broke it up into two days, so six and a half hours, six and a half hours. It, it worked out well, but everyone who I talked to was like, oh, that's that's nuts. I mean, why would you do something like that? Why not just – well, you especially. I mean, you, you've been on my ass for uh, for not, <laughs> not going through the airport and trying to fly, stuff like that. Bro, let me tell you, this experience of driving, it has been something that I have not done since, gosh, uh, end of seminary, really, when I ended up driving a moving van from – New York City back to Chicago with all the stuff that I had. It was calming. It was relaxing in a way that I didn't think. And it was, granted, it was before all the holiday travel. It was like the week before Thanksgiving. So 
I, I was, I was at peace. I was, I was just like, I miss the ability for myself just to reflect and to be still in the moment. You know, there's, there's not a lot of traffic. You're not really thinking about the road in the moment you're just driving. And so you have a lot of time with yourself. And that was something that I was like, I really, I really miss those moments. Uh, and so, yeah, though the 14 hour drive to there and the 14 hour drive back, it was great. It, it really was not, it was not a burden on my soul or anything. If anything, it kind of allowed me to just reflect in a way that I haven't in quite some time. So it was, it was, it was good. It was, it was a very positive experience. Just the drive itself was a very positive experience. When I was driving to California, I can't remember exactly when, but I pretty much had listened to all the music that I wanted to listen to. And then I had a moment where I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Instead of trying to figure out what I should listen to, maybe I'll just not listen to anything. And that was the best part, driving through Utah without any music on. And it just, was just, just great. Just thinking, like allowing yourself to like be in your own mind. Sometimes it, it can be really unsettling to kind of be in conversation with yourself. I don't know if you ever felt that too, where it's like you, you're like, well, you know, is what I'm doing right now really what I want to be doing? And that sort of mentality of, of like, what, what is it macro? What is it long-term that I want to try and accomplish in my life? We're so caught up in the moment. And that's kind of where I've been for the past couple of years, just so caught up in the moment that I haven't really had a chance to hold that intention with uh with where I want to be and so yeah it was it was nice to to just have a a couple of minutes of respite where I can I can breathe I don't I I mean I'm driving so I I don't have any responsibilities in those moments and I can just be at peace with myself and kind of be in conversation with uh with those different dynamics Kyle was telling me the other day he because he caddies at a golf club in the valley and when you caddy sometimes you're sitting there and you're waiting a while to caddy you know you show up at whatever time and you could be waiting for a few hours before you finally go out on the course and caddy he was like dude the other day when I was caddying I waited seven hours before I finally got a chance to caddy I waited seven hours, and in those seven hours, I reflected on my entire life and every decision that I've made. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. It's like, well, good for you because that's, you, that's what you're able to do without any noise, without any distractions. You're just driving or you're just sitting there. Like You can, you can reflect. Uh, but that's great to hear because I really – because when you think of a road trip or you, you – know, you the first thing that comes to mind is that it's a burden it's a pain in the ass you know yeah but i enjoyed mine i was happy with it but uh it's definitely something that i think someone should do every every so often not every you know every five to ten years i think it would be a good marker but and good to know that you enjoyed it was there anything that you so you, let's say you're driving to new jersey with this invigorated with this new feeling of just reflection and then when you were coming back had the magic 
of being by yourself and and just being alone with your thoughts kind of dissipated or did you dive a little bit deeper inside yourself or you know the last were you upset that you got home and the trip was over because you couldn't drive anymore were you just really itching to get home the last five hours what was your state of mind from the time that you left Chicago, arrived in New Jersey, and then you're back on the road from New Jersey to Chicago. And we're talking only about driving, not about at the actual uh, wedding, but just the drive. Right. And I think for myself, it was the, the concern of the pandemic, right? Because I, le- I leave I leave a, a comfort and safe zone and go to a place that is an epicenter of the pandemic. And that was kind of my priority mindset when I was heading out there. And then coming back, you know, I just officiated over a wedding of a certain amount of people, which I'll get into later. But I was thinking coming back, you know, is there is there any way that I could have been exposed to the virus that would endanger the people who I loved and cared about? cared about and so it wasn't it wasn't so much like the drive itself like the drive bro i can i can I, yeah i could be a trucker like i <laughs> i love i love the open road and uh but i also feel called to like do things um in the midst of that and so you know it's one of those things where i heard this quite a bit while i was out in jersey it's like why you know why would you do something like this because this is a special moment. Like this is like, it's not something that I do every day. When's the last time that I drove to and from the East coast? When's the last time that you drew drove from Chicago to LA and back again? I mean, really there's an opportunity. And I was like, well, I'm going to take all the precautions that I can take and just do it. And just, you know, whatever comes of those moments, I'm going to embrace. And I did, you know, on the way there, and on the way back, too, because on the way back, after all I experienced out on the East Coast, it's like, wow, there's a lot of processing that has to go on in my own mind right now. And so it felt I felt like a certain element of calm in those moments where just everything just just I could breathe. I could breathe after a time like that, despite not knowing right if I had been exposed to covid and come back and you know, have to isolate myself in those moments of, uh, uncertainty. I was with myself. I could not hurt, hurt anyone else. I could not expose anyone else to COVID. I, you know, it was just me. It was me and no one else was on the road. And it was, it was, uh, both, both going to and from was, uh, probably, probably one of the first times in the past seven years that I've had to just breathe and just be at peace with myself. It was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. Really. Nice. And I, yeah, I know, I know most people aren't like that. I know, you know, people, people like to get where they're going, do what they got to do. But when those moments come along, those special moments, man, embrace them. Cause they're only going to come along every once in a while. And this was one of those instances. I knew it. I embraced it. And it is, it has all turned out very well so far. Nice. No traffic, bro. No traffic. I was I was shocked the week before Thanksgiving, and I came back on. It was a uh, Saturday and Sunday that I drove back. I drove I drove back Saturday morning, 
stopped at, at the same Motel 6 that I stopped off at coming out. And uh, there was there no one other, no trucks, no cars. It was a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. It was so just not stressful. So, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Sounds great. So now get to the part where you arrive in New Jersey. What's going on? Because I remember you said that they wanted you to hang out afterwards at the reception, and you were a little hesitant last time we spoke. Right. Because by and law, so- you would be responsible for anyone that would contract the illness and die because you were a <laughs> because you were a you were an official of the people. You're in a position serving the community, and if you were there by law, you'd say you would you'd be saying that it is okay to gather. And that I would say is uh, is something that I was really concerned about. However, uh, it wasn't it wasn't as severe as I'd kind of made it out to before, where I was you know if I was there suddenly it became a religious event. Turns out that New Jersey law allows reception, stuff like that, if they are from a religious service to be able to, to take place. So, you know, I, I wasn't going to be held liable for that, even if I stayed. But I will say, it was a experience that I probably will never forget, because I arrive in Jersey the day before my birthday, and I end up coming, staying, and isolating in my friend and my boss's, Joe's, basement. And I decide, okay, well, I am going to do this, and we're going to go through with it. And everything has lined up as it should be. And the day of the wedding, end up driving to Jersey City, which is about 40-minute drive or so. Go down there, and yeah, it was... It was interesting because at the outset, as of five days before the wedding, I'd been told that there would be 120 people there. It's like, oh my God, that's just insane. May as well be 500 or 1,000, you know? (laughs) Well, and in Jersey too, right? Like, people don't really respect the whole mask mandate Thing because it's not really technically mandated and so I'm I'm freaking out myself as to what it's going to look like so I show up and uh, it's about 30 minutes before the wedding and no one has arrived yet which is fine but then I walk in and I see that there are only chairs set up for maybe 60, 75, 80 people maybe I'm like oh oh well um this is a positive development, despite the fact that in the back of my mind, I know that uh, even before I talked to the bride and groom, <laughs> they, they're, prob- they're probably devastated by the fact that they have to cut their wedding more or less in half or more than half as to who they were expecting to come. So I go up and I, I check out the wedding party, talk with the bride and groom, get them to send sign the, the wedding paperwork and stuff like that. And, uh, it's like, okay, so everything seems good. You guys are good. Everything's good. Um, go back downstairs. The The mother of the groom, who has been somebody who has been so anxiety-filled over this time. I've actually spoken to her, I think, two or three times since um, 
the the final weeks of the wedding just because she she you know you know parents like to get involved. So with all that. you've spoken to her two or three times. How many hours have accrued spending time talking to her in those two or three times? Enough to cover the uh, paycheck. <laughs> This is what I charge for officiating the wedding. You can see itemized right here. This is how many hours I am willing to speak with in-laws. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Continue. I'm their pastor. I, I will, I will. you know. You That's know, a nice way of I, saying I'll... more than I care to share, but I'm getting paid, so I'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. No, you're doing the pastoral duty. You're fulfilling your pastoral duty of active listening and making sure that her needs are being met. I commend you. It, it, it's about reducing anxiety, allowing everybody to be kind of at peace in a moment that should be filled with celebration, but is also filled with anxiety. So it's one of those things, man. I just, I don't know. I, I was trying to be there. And uh, so anyway, I met with the, I met with the bride and the groom who, by the way, are just phenomenal, wonderful people. I am so grateful to be a part of like that ceremony because these two individuals are meant for each other, and I I felt very very good about marrying them. But everything surrounding it, I ended up talking to the 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 mother of the groom beforehand. She's like, oh yeah, you know, um, it's been stressful because for the past five days, dozens and dozens of people have been canceling. So well, it originally had been set up for 120 people only maybe 60 people ended up showing up to the wedding. And, you know, she was saying people just kept canceling, 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 not knowing the uncertainty, not knowing, you know, the, the COVID spike, stuff like that. And so, well, it, it originally started out as a 250-person wedding back in last November, before COVID, before all this stuff, it was going to be an extravaganza. It was going to be a massive, massive wedding celebration. Probably the largest wedding celebration that I've been a part of throughout my entire ministry. And then I I end up getting there and I see, yeah, you know, there's probably about 60, 70 people at the most. And so I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, w I was just thinking to myself, gosh, I, you know, because... Uh, this was a special moment for them and it was kind of foiled and also the the complications from uh cancellation stuff like that just built and built and built and so for them for for the wedding couple they were just thrilled to have it done because they didn't know what was going to happen afterwards if there was going to be a shutdown there's going to be another lockdown all that stuff they just wanted it done and they wanted it done on November 20th they wanted it just, it was going to happen. Whether or not there were going to be people, people there, I was going to be there, I was there. And it was the most amazing thing I think that I've done in my ministry in the past five years, without a doubt, without a doubt. Wow. Well, congratulations on that experience. How was it that you, how was it that you came about uh, becoming the pastor for their wedding? They they wanted Joe and he recommended you or you had met them previously or how did it come about? 
Man, th- this all came about because back in November of last year, Joe was overwhelmed by wedding requests. And so he was he was tossing them out to uh, all the clergy on the church team. And so I happened to come in contact. He's like, oh, talk to Father Ricks. You know, he'll, you know, not a problem. And at the time, November of last year, I was thinking, not a problem. Like, I'll I'll come out. Of course. No issue. I can do that. And then I started talking with them and they're like, it is, it is the anniversary of one of our grandparents' death. And so we want to have the wedding on this day, even if it's just us two. And we are going to have it on November 20th. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and then we started having these conversations and they're like, nope, we're still, we're still going to do this. We, we are not going to, we are not going to waver. We will not deviate. And, it is happening. And at the same time, Joe, who had referred me, said his wedding on November 20th and his weddings that week had been canceled. And so I, we had tried to kind of pass that off and I was like, they didn't know that I was based out of Chicago. Like I, I kind of keep that vague when I, when I talk to my, my wedding couples or whatever I do, I got to do. Um, we were trying to pass it off to them and say, Joe is available. No, no, no. Rick's. We want Rick's. We want Rick's. Oh, that's good. And so nice. it made it made me feel very good. Um, and Joe actually kind of he he took a little bit of a dagger to the heart. He's like, "Oh man, <laughs> man, oh man, <laughs> why not me? You know, I'm free now. I could have done this. Uh... I could have done this, but no, no." So, Joe, you got to do the Jersey Shore wedding. You know, you can't have them all. Oh, that's 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 a conversation for another day. I I feel like that's that's something we got to talk about as well. <laughs> this the celebrity preacher, and uh, and here here I am, uh, this, this yeah. humble lowly nobody, and you got to meet some reality stars. You got to be on TV. Ricks can get this one, Joe. <laughs> you can't have them all. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm available. I'm free. Uh, we're no, we're already going with Ricks. And <laughs> what what what? <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. It was like do, does not compute kind of thing. Where <laughs> yeah, I I was I was I was truly honored, but at the same time, I was absolutely terrified of how this was going to turn out. I did not know what was going to happen because this was at the height of the pandemic. Like, well, they didn't know I was going to have to travel from Chicago to um because they don't know you're from chicago they think you're in new jersey this whole when did they find out that you were from chicago they don't know yet do they no (laughs) i'm bro dude i'm a i'm a i'm a traveling priest i mean like i'll i'll do ministry anywhere i'll 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 get i'll get to how that follows up uh towards the end okay 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 yeah i i was thinking to myself oh god this is this is gonna be rough and in the back of my mind, as as somebody who is a master procrastinator, I just kept pushing it off and off and off. And we would have we would have we probably had um, six or seven different meetings or whatever. And every time that I met with them, I was more and more assured that these two were people who really 
were meant for each other and really had a very good compatibility. Yeah, in the end, I was like, okay, as the as the month neared, it's like, shit, what am I going to do? Am I going to fly or am I going to find an alternative route? And I was just like, fuck it. You know what? Let's let's have an adventure. Let's drive. So I ended up driving out there and it I will say it was not it was not the nicest venue that I've been to to help assist in in a wedding before. However, this was my first solo wedding that I did. That was something that didn't really cross my mind until after the service was over because I arrived and, you know, going into ministry straight from my my seminary degree, I was thinking to myself, wow, it feels like slipping on old shoes. It feels very familiar. And so the moment that I walked in, you had people, oh, Father, so great to see you. Father, what can we do for you? I, you know, in the Protestant denomination, never been called Father, but still, I wore clergy attire and people kind of recognized me as the, as the, as the boss, right? As the, as the person in charge. And the moment I walked in, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the man here, right? I will, I will, I will, I will be the one to kind of. You're a public figure. Yeah. And it was, it was a very, it was a very comforting feeling and that kind of relieved the anxiety. My friend, my friend. That wedding, holy cow, even though I may have messed up a couple of times when it comes to, like, Catholic liturgy, I'm not super versed in Catholicism or the, you know, the, the various things that uh, the, the saints... Oh, you mean the ceremony that takes an hour and a half long when it only takes 25 to 30 minutes? That, 30 don't worry, minutes. bro. 30 minutes. We, don't we worry. Were, we were straight up 30 minutes. We, we knocked it out, and... I I have to say it was I mean there were there were there were things last minute that kind of got changed and I was told about them I'm like okay talk uh, like the main thing was the the, the person who was supposed to be reading scripture ended up having to go in that very morning for uh surgery on her leg and so it was a a cousin of the groom who ended up coming out I was like okay so cool let's 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 roll with that and so I met her, made sure she was good, all that. Service took place. <sighs> I have to say, it was it was just it was so peaceful. It was such a phenomenal experience just to be see the smile, like the bride, the tears running down her face, the entire thing. This meant so much to her. It wasn't about me being the celebrant, the the person officiating. It was what it meant to both of them and to be there after all I've gone through and for them to still want me to officiate man oh man it was so powerful it was such an amazing experience definitely ranks in top 10 top 10 life oh wow without a doubt without a doubt this whole the encapsulation of everything Top 10. Nice. I love how you were real quick to say top 10. My entire life. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10. The encapsulation. Encapsulation. Top 10. That's good. I'm happy for you because you were going into it. You were all, 
I don't know, man. I don't know. And I was all, dude, just wear a mask and deal with it. You'll be fine. And in my back of my head, I was like, I can't believe this guy is driving. Just fly, bro. Just fly. But I'm happy that the driving, <clears throat> the whole COVID thing, the reduction in numbers, everything worked out. Was there anything that you would have changed or was it or are you just looking back at the whole thing and just like, wow, perfection? Oh, no, God, no. There, There is never anything as a perfect wedding. Like, there, obviously, there are, like, little things here and there that I would have changed. Um, for example, probably the biggest thing, I don't know, how many weddings have you been to, would you say? Uh, I don't know. I mean, not a crazy ha- amount. A handful, like, like six, eight, ten, something like that. In my adult life? Right. I don't know, like maybe 10. I'd have to sit here and think about it. I have no, I have no idea. Right. And uh, so, so generally speaking, um, when, when the service is being performed, the bride and groom are standing with the preacher. How do you view them when it comes to, to where their placement is in relationship to the, the priest or, um, preacher minister whatever they're standing directly in front of him they're standing directly so so that if you were so if i'm standing in the aisle so that i can see a perfect 180 degree view 180 degree view of everything you have the preacher in the middle and then you have the bride on one side and the groom on the other and they're standing there you know holding hand holding two hands or whatever in the and the do, do, grooms and do, do, bridesmaids are. Do you view the bride and what? groom uh, looking at each other or looking upward towards the preacher? Oh yeah, I don't know, dude. Uh, at each other, because I, um, yeah, at each other, because they are looking. They are. They're not looking at the preacher because then they have their backs to everybody. That's weird. They're looking at each other. Also, because you. You want to be looking at each other because what the preacher is saying is in the periphery. You want to be looking in their eye, in each other's eyes, and just taking in that moment. But looking directly at the preacher, you have your back to everybody else, and it's like I don't want to look at the fucking preacher. I want to look at the girl I'm going to be marrying. And just by saying that, I can tell they did not do that. They were looking directly at you like school children at the teacher. So I'm literally – I can't stop laughing. Um, like literally that that genuinely is probably the one thing that I would have changed about what I did. Because uh, they they were they were literally standing side by side, staring directly at me in front of the pew, like it not even separated, like they were just next to each other in the in the aisle, staring at me the entire time, and that probably would be wait they're in whoa 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 back it up rewind, they're in the aisle, they're they're par- they're... they're parallel to the aisle, they're up they're how up. many. F- how many feet away from you are they standing? Six. Okay, per, yeah. Per well, I mean, CDC in, guidelines, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
I yeah no it was it was uh it was uh, uh I don't know it was it was a weird thing because but wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute to interrupt you real quick did you give them the direction look at me or did they take it upon themselves to be looking at you and not at each other don't you go over this stuff in the rehearsal the night before there was no rehearsal my friend Oh, there was no rehearsal. Interesting. Yeah, I know. Very interesting. I know. Yeah. Uh, as a result, uh, it was it was the day of the wedding, and it was it was interesting too because normally the you know how the wedding party normally processes. You've got the the groom who comes out, and then followed by the best man and wedding party stuff like that. There was only there was only a, a best man, so there wasn't a, a wedding party on either side. But the groom... Was there going to be a wedding party and then they decided not to or the wedding party couldn't show up or what? No, no. There was there was never going to be a wedding party. Uh, but I didn't know this ahead of time that the groom did not want to be a part of the wedding party uh, or the, the procession, procession uh, up. And he said, I'm just going to come up here up front. And I only knew this about five minutes before the service started. It's like because normally it's 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 a whole thing where you you have the procession and you signal to the the groom and the best man and the wedding party like here's where you go kind of thing. It's like nope, I'm just gonna stand up here. It's like oh okay, well yeah. I mean it's your wedding, so I'm I'm cool I'm I'm cool with that. It's uh it's definitely gonna throw a kink in my. Uh, just the the process of trying to make it work, and then the you had the uh, the uh, bridesmaid um, come up, and then two there was a, like a five year old boy and a three year old girl like walking up the aisle, and that was basically it. And then uh, the bride walked up, and they stood right next to each other after the the father passed off the uh, passed off Karen uh the bride and they stood before me literally face to face with me but 6 feet away and just straight up stared at me and i was trying in those moments i was like just just go off to the side look at each other look at each other no i couldn't <laughs> You can understand, though, in the moment, right, all these emotions and all these, like, stimuli going on, that they're not probably going to be paying attention to that, and I didn't... That's why you got to have the rehearsal. Why didn't they have a rehearsal? Was it because of the whole COVID thing, or they were just like, nah, we're just going to wing it? No, it was it was COVID, man. Um, yeah, it was... It was uh, everything kind of becomes impromptu when it comes to to that sort of stuff there's there's no rehearsals these days you just do what you do you get there you make it work um but yeah dude th whatever <laughs> i mean the weddings that i go to where i've been in the wedding party there's been rehearsals and then when i'm not in the wedding party i still hear about oh dude we got so hammered at the rehearsal last night it's like great wish i could have been a part of it but i guess not there's always rehearsals pre-covid whatever pre pre-covid my okay, friend okay pre okay 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 yeah. got it so, so yeah, that, that was probably the only thing that I would say. And aside from that, you know, it was weird. Uh, cause I, I actually wore my mask pretty much for the entire service. And then when I got to the homily and the reading of vows, I don't know what it was, but for some reason I just took my mask off. 
fuck it, and just took the mask off. At the homily, at the homily, where I was like, oh, I'm still, I'm still wearing the mask, and I, I just, I just take it off and said, you know what that was? That was you unconsciously knowing that God would protect you, just like when Jesus gave a hug to the to the little girl that had all the uh, spots. What was it? Leprosy? Yeah. Or what's the yeah. what was? Yeah. And they're all like, "What the what the hell are you doing?" And then he's just like, "No, that was you. You unconsciously did that." Well, and and literally, I I think the first thing that I said when I when I took when I when I took my mask off, I said. Well, here we are. And <laughs> the craziest part, too, because I had worn my mask the entire time, the entire um, time that I had been at the wedding venue, including, like, getting the, the couple to sign the wedding cer- certificate and all that. The groom, as I was pulling my mask off, said, well, here we are. His eyes just... He just took his mask off. The look in his eyes... As, as somebody who had been, because when we, he's like, how do you, how, when I first met him, when I walked into the venue, how do you want to do this? Elbow bump. Like, let's do the elbow bump. And then here I am at the, at the homily of the service, rip my mask off. His eyes just like widen. Like, what, what, what did you, st- I'm not comprehending right now kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And so, yeah, we we continue. We do the the reading. One of the most beautiful things, too, and some something that I didn't realize was so powerful is that we normally, for our church, we have people who are getting married write three things that they love most about the person that they're marrying, and they don't get to read what each other says until the service itself, in which I read it. And so here I'm reading it, and. Joe, Joe, uh, Joe was telling me, you know, try, try to be lighthearted, try to be humorous, try to, you know, you know, make it, make it, um, fun and enjoyable, stuff like that. I try, I try to joke here and there. We can get, you got to do you, bro. You got to say, Joe, remember Joe, they chose me even when they could have gotten, could have gotten you. I got this, bro. I got this. And yet. And yet he is nearing on 400 weddings that he's done. This is number one for me. So I will I will be more than happy to take advice from somebody who has had 400 weddings with a five-star review on Wedding Wire. So, yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a master. He's a master. I will I will follow him in any in any advice that he has. So I try to be humorous or whatever. It doesn't. It 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 falls. He's flat. got the five Michelin stars. He, you know he's, he is. He's got <laughs> to have at least one Michelin star when it comes to wedding performance, kind of thing. And so, you know, he's like, just you know, throw it a little comedy. And uh, so one of the things that we do, where and and this is kind of the build up, right? Where one of the things that we do is we have the like the various things that that a couple should do if they get uh, if they get married. Never, never be too old to hold hands, right? So practice that now. Hold, right. Hold each other, hold each other's hands. You know, that not really a joke or anything, but just, you know, meant to be lighthearted. Never be too old to say I love you at least once a day. You know, do that. Do that right now. Do that right now. They say, I love you. 
love you. And Joe said, if they say it too quietly, just say, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. What? And so I tried that. And you know me, I'm not really good with the whole, like, here, it's like, I'm sorry, what, what, what? <laughs> like, not, not like that, but you know, what? Yeah. I can't hear you. Um, I love you. Don't worry. You're going to work on that. No laughs. Not at all. And then we get to the, the homily where luckily I restrain myself and only keep myself to probably about 120 seconds at the most of my own personal monologue as to the beauty of a moment like this happening in the midst of a pandemic. This is a, a special moment, et cetera, et cetera. People who are there. Uh, and, and then the big thing comes when you read uh, the three things that people love about each other. That got plenty of laughs. That was the highlight of the entire wedding ceremony. Um, both of them, because everyone knows both of these individuals. And so when you're reading their words and it's like, <laughs> it's like the laughs of a uh, relationship and right. Like, good. You know, I'm, I'm glad I was able to do that. And after that kind of everything worked as, as it should have been aside from them just literally staring directly at me. Man, oh man, what what a beautiful, beautiful experience. I stayed for probably about uh, 10 minutes at the most. I had one one slice of pastrami, I believe, and, and that was it. And then I talked to the, the mother of the groom afterwards, peaced out. Okay, nice. Dude, I think <laughs> okay. if, because you, you told me that real quick on a side note, just like personal training, you know, you can officiate a wedding by just what paying thirty five bucks online and getting a certificate. Technically, if someone really wanted to do that, yeah. they could do that. I think if I went that route, because I'm definitely not going to school and doing all this shit. But for shits and giggles, I think I'd be good at officiating a wedding. What do you think? I think I'd add a little. <laughs> I think I'd add a little. I think I'd. You know, now that I think about it, I would just be making jokes the whole time and keeping people laughing. That's where, that's really what I want to do. I just want an opportunity to just make people laugh. And it mean, if it means I need to jump in a wedding and, and officiate, I can do that. I can do that in that particular arena. What are your thoughts? I would say, dude, if you can bring joy to a couple's life and be a seminal moment in their development as a couple... Do it, man. Do it. Embrace right? it. And and I would say that for anybody out there, really. I mean, if if you can if you can be if you can be just a conduit for a a, a facilitator for love and uh, uh, eternal compassion is something that I think we should all embrace. And you know, it was it was a Catholic wedding, right? And I'm technically, you know, I'm I'm an adopted Catholic, I guess. I, d I don't really know how to identify myself. I'm still kind of a heretical Catholic, um, so to speak. But I was able to give love and life. And, bro, I mean, you, anybody, really, embrace it. Love it. You know, just give give love. Give love. If you can give love, that that for me, was probably the most important thing. And afterwards, too, after the wedding, the bride and the groom called me up. By the way, fucking, I'm not going to say the dollar amount over air, uh, but the the tip they gave me, baller. Uh, 
Uh, oh, the tip on top of already paying you? It, it's typical. Wow. Yeah, no, ministers typically get uh, get tips or whatever. This was this was a tip of tips. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, nice. but but that's not that's not what it was about, right? It was about the journey. Um, they'd been together, and you know, if if you know people, right, um, and have that relationship with them, know that they're a good couple. Get, you know, go online, go online, get your marriage certificate, marry them, you know, if that's the last option. But man, there, there is something very. <laughs> if that's the last option. I mean, bro, you know. I... Quick, quick question though. What? Why does somebody need a certificate? Because technically, when you may, like, so when you, because if somebody, are they usually already married through the court? prior to the ceremony taking place no no it were it requires um an officiant right they don't have to meet a uh, minister but they just have to have the official authority of the state to be able to certify the marriage right oh does that make sense because one of my friends they had gotten married and then a year later, they gotten married through the state. And then a year later, or several months later, they had their they had the ceremony. It, well, it depends when the certificate is signed, right? The certificate of marriage needs to be submitted to the state because it's a state by state thing where you have to have documentation that you, in fact, are legally bound to this other individual. That's kind of the Got it. The, the the baseline. The baseline is very low, and there's a lot of times. I know when I was at seminary, actually, there were there were a bunch of my my colleagues who had not gotten ordained yet, but were ordained in what was it? It's called like the Universal Life Church or something like that, where they they technically they pay like a thirty five dollar fee to become a technically ordained minister or something like that. And they're able to marry people and sign their signature as an officiant of the state. And then, you know, legal, legal, et cetera, et cetera. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Cool, it, man. It, 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 was, it, was a, it was a wild experience. And it, it really is a shame, too, that I wasn't able to stay longer. I So the wedding concluded and afterwards ended up... Uh, talking with the couple and had a uh, uh, one or two like slices of meat just to be polite right partake in the table that is offered before you um and then i pieced out just out of safety sake and uh yeah i just uh, i'm grateful i'm grateful that this happened at, because bro not only have i spent my entire life kind of working up to ministry I've never done a solo wedding before in 33 years. And technically, you know, this is my first official serious, like, ministry duty that I've done in my year, like, one day after my birthday. It's like, wow, what a, what a beautiful thing. What, you know, what an amazing thing. Nice little birthday gift. Despite, despite the terror of having to travel, right, um... Which is not something that I burdened my couple with, but was something that kind of informed this whole journey of I didn't know what to expect coming out here. And when I did, it was 
it exceeded my expectations beyond comprehension. I, I can't. Dude, that was like, um, I love moments where you go into something and your, your state of mind is either neutral or this is going to suck or I don't want to be here. And then it's like, wow, that was fucking awesome. I can't believe I ever th- thought anything differently. That was one hell of an experience. When when is when is the last time that you've kind of because okay so so heading out there, right to do this wedding? Uh, what I had gone, I was gone for a total of six days, totally. And yeah, because when you were like when I texted you. You were, like, either about to head back or halfway home. And I was like, he just got there. What the hell? Like, I didn't. I thought you were going to be there for, like, at least a week or something. It just happened so fast that you were there and then you were already leaving. And I was like, what yeah. the hell? Like, like, what? Yeah. Well, and, and that was the plan, too, right? I, I, I was actually supposed to say through probably Thanksgiving – and I would head back afterwards. But with the spike in the past couple of weeks, both Joe and I had agreed that uh, it would be best if I ended up going back. So, ended up getting there safely, and I feel like, you know, what? Was the wedding on a Friday? Yes, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm just trying to put all the pieces of information together. I, I don't think I've ever been to a wedding that was not on a Saturday. Right. No, most most of them are on Saturdays, right? And so I ended up traveling up Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. So Tuesday, drove seven hours. Wednesday, drove another, another seven hours after staying at a Motel 6, got there, and uh, arrived a couple of hours before my birthday started. Had it had a birthday in New Jersey, quarantine style, and so here here all all the people who I'm staying with, um, Joe and and his sister and his partner, um, they come outside with like fireworks and stuff like that, like little mini <laughs> fireworks, and start blowing fireworks. It's the most exciting birthday that I've had probably in That's about cool. five years. <clears throat> it it was it was the craziest thing, and uh, I remember I texted you and you were like. Yada yada yada, my birthday, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, today is his birthday!" Because I told you how there's you, and then there's about two or three other people who have birthdays in November that I consider close friends, and I always try and remember two things about people: one is their birthday, and the second is their middle name. And I didn't know your middle name was Thomas until like whatever it was, two weeks ago that you said your middle name was Thomas. <laughs> I knew your birthday was the 19th. I've known that. And for whatever reason, this year, I just like – I couldn't remember the exact date. I was thinking it was the 22nd, but I like thought, no, that's not right. It's somewhere like from the middle to the end, but in between the middle, and I couldn't remember. And so when you were like, "Blah blah blah," today is my birthday. I was like, "Fuck!" Today is his birthday, and that concludes things right there for episode number one hundred and seventy-four of Stream of Thought. We know you've enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, until next time. Until next time. <laughs>